All right, I'll say bless the Lord if you'll say, oh my soul, bless the Lord. Bless his holy name. Bless the cold. Bless the heat. Glad to be with you guys tonight. Don't worry. Uh, I told him to crank down the air as cold as it would go so that you guys could practice loving your enemies tonight. Um, I'm Chris. I'm the pastor here. Hey, if you're new with us, welcome. So glad you uh, decided to come. Um, No pressure. Relax. Just want you guys to experience the family and community that we got going on here. One of our deals is we want to engage the whole person with the whole gospel, anytime, anywhere, with anybody. Now, we're in the middle of a series called Five. It's five teachings out of Matthew chapter five, five memorable teachings of Jesus that a lot of us would like to forget. And I have to confess to you that I feel like in my heart, when I'm reading the statement that we're going to read tonight, when Jesus says, love your enemies, I want to engage part of my person with part of the gospel, sometimes, somewhere, with some people. I I don't know what it is about this text that has just got me all tied up in knots for the past month, and conversations that I've had, and situations I've experienced, and people that I'm praying for. Again and again, I awkwardly put on the table, what does it mean in this moment to love your enemy? It's almost as if I agree with it in principle, but in action, I reject it. My head says yes, and my heart's going, mm no way. I can mentally say, yeah, that makes sense. But then behaviorally, I don't want any part of it. And so another way that we describe our Kairos community is simply this. It's our honest and unique attempt to connect to God and each other. And so honestly, tonight, guys, I'm going to invite you into the struggle that I've had with this text. And I want us to struggle through it. I want us to take seriously the claims of Jesus. And I don't want to dismiss them out of hand. And I don't want us to think that they're actually idealistic, impossible expectations that Jesus never thought we could achieve. And so we'll be in Matthew chapter 5. We're going to turn there. We're going to read that passage where love your enemies comes from. And as I'm turning there, I'll pray for us as we jump in. Holy Spirit, would you give us eyes to see and ears to hear? And would you help us not to cover our eyes up after what we've just seen and plug our ears after what we've just heard? Jesus, we're going to need you to go before us in this text and make a way. And together we say, speak, Lord. Your servants are listening. Amen. All right, here it comes. This is dangerous. Matthew 5, verse 43. You have heard that the law says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. In that way, you'll be acting as true true children of your Father in heaven, For he gives sunlight to both evil and good. He sends rain on the just and the unjust alike. If you love only those who love you, what reward is there for that? Even corrupt tax collectors do that much. If you're kind to only your friends, how are you different from anyone else? Even pagans do that. But you are to be perfect, even as your heavenly father is perfect. 
I'll say the word of the Lord if you'll say thanks be to God. The word of the Lord. If it's possible, it's even colder in here right now. <laughs> There's so many people's stories that are going through my head right now that I'm afraid of how this might be misinterpreted. And pastorally, I don't know if I can preach to every single one of those. The word of God was meant to be interpreted in the community of God. And so I know this is going to take a lot of wrestling and struggling to figure out the right applications. But at least let me address three groups in this room who may hear this in an unintended or intended way. One... There are those of you in here who have been victimized by abusive enemies, sexually, physically, verbally. You've been oppressed by people and systems that profit off of your pain. I do not want you to hear me preach permission, repentance. That's not it. (laughs) Lord, help me. Permission, repression, or silence. We've come too far to go back to that. I do want you to hear about the justice and mercy of God that's found in Jesus Christ. Two, there's some of you in here, you have unexamined, sinful, and racial religious attitudes to particular groups and particular people. I do not want you to hear me preach division or demonization of any person or group. I do want you to hear about the loyal love of God that is found in Jesus Christ. Three, there are some of you that are tangled in long-standing conflict that is as confusing as it is complex. I don't want you to hear me invalidate any pain, hurt, or difficulty that you are currently experiencing. I do want you to hear with sincerity and clarity the teaching of Jesus to love your enemy. How do we do that? I know it's dangerous. And I know I've been scared to preach this message. Then I'm reminded you guys have done great so far, you've been brilliant. All we've been doing is teaching dangerous things and you guys keep responding in ways that encourage and build my confidence as a Christian and as a pastor. We kicked this whole thing off and we said the gospel offers us something different and something deeper. And a handful of you rose your hand in the middle of this auditorium with everyone looking at you and said, yes, I want that and I wanna follow Jesus for the first time. And we talked about making it right and making the first move. And all of a sudden I'm hearing stories of phone calls, emails, reaching out to people to try to make it right. And reconciliation has begun. In some places it happened right away. In some places it was set back. And in some places we don't really know the jury's still out, but yet you made the first move to try to make it right. 
And then last week, from all the prayer cards and stories, some of you aren't even hesitating. You're beginning to amputate any way that lust has gotten a foothold in your life. And I'm so inspired by it. And I'm encouraged of the kind of courage that can be held within the community of God when we radically respond in obedience to his word. And so I'm hoping tonight isn't any different. We're going to lay it out there. Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. All right. How do we move forward? Well, the first thing I want to say is, so we can get some textual clarity, things that preachers like to say. Nowhere in the Bible does it say, hate your enemies. Okay, a more accurate translation of this is, you have heard it said, love your neighbor. And then on top of that, you added something, which was hate your enemies. It's like inverse reasoning. God said, love your neighbor. And then you saw your enemies and you're like, oh, well, he must want us to hate our enemies. And they build up political, religious, and structural barriers to make sure that just the people of God were being taken care of and that it was actually okay to hate, reject, abuse, and oppress, especially those who have hated, abused, oppressed, and rejected them. Little tit for tat, so to speak. Um, Here's uh, Psalm 5.5 does say that God hates the evildoer. You'll find that uh, in a number of other Psalms. God does hate and reject evil in all forms and what it does to people. But he's never called us to hate one another. So here's how um, one commentator puts it that I think will frame the lanes that I'd like to bowl in tonight. The primary meaning of this text is aimed at the religious rejection of those who do not belong to God's people or keep God's law. So again, context is the Pharisees, the religious leaders who have elevated a sense of moral and religious superiority and are actively excluding, condemning, and hating those who are outside the faith and not keeping the same laws and practices that they are. So for the Pharisees and for us and for me, because I got a little Pharisee that lives in me, He yips at me all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know the Bible better than they do. Look at you. That person's wrong. You're right. Yip, 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 yip. And I have to kill him every day. But he keeps coming back like a religious zombie. For the Pharisees and us, Jesus is warning against executing God's justice while eliminating God's mercy. It's a warning against accepting God's law, but rejecting God's love. It's a warning against celebrating God's inclusion of us while concentrating on actively excluding those who do not yet know him. Love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. So let's ask ourselves a couple questions that come up from the text and honestly pray that the Holy Spirit would lead us in the truth, okay? First of all, who is my enemy? How do, I, how do I define that? Let me go ahead and answer that for you. She is your neighbor. He is your neighbor. How can I say that? Because the same question was asked to Jesus in Luke chapter 10. Who is my neighbor? You know what he says? 
tells the story of a parable of the Good Samaritan to Jewish people. Do you know who a Good Samaritan was to Jewish people? Not a good neighbor, not State Farm, none of that. And we're never there for them. <laughs> to a Jewish person, a Samaritan was religiously and racially unacceptable. Jesus calls that person your neighbor. Someone gave me this t-shirt, I love it. Love your neighbor. Little Pharisee in me goes, yeah, they should make a t-shirt that's called love your enemy. I bet that wouldn't sell. No one wants to do truth like that, right? I killed him. (laughs) And then just for the Lord to give me another piece and slice of humble pie, it's actually exegetically correct. Loving your neighbor includes loving your enemy. Jesus is just expanding it and giving us this full 360 technicolor glory of this all-inclusive community called the kingdom of God where we're actively pursuing in faith, hope, and love not only those that love us, but those who are outside of the faith and who are actively running and rebelling from God. My, my, my. So who is my neighbor? Or who's my enemy? It's my neighbor. And maybe we can just... this. I would say, if you want it as simple as possible, I like how one pastor put it, it's anybody who does not love you. That is your enemy. You can treat them as an enemy, and congratulations, guess what? Now they deserve enemy love. We're gonna tie this back even further. Jesus told us to love our neighbor as ourself. So then, was it also true that we should love our enemy as ourself? I think here's the difficulty for some of us. Some of us are so consumed with self-hatred that to actually love someone the way that we love ourselves would actually be hatred. That you have such a deep dissatisfaction and inward disposition of despising yourself, how you're made, how you're acting, that you can't even begin to offer love to your neighbor, let alone your enemy. And so maybe the place that you need to start in this text is understanding Paul, De- Paul Tillich's definition of faith. Faith is the courage to accept your acceptance. That's why we say every time when we come to the Lord's table together, I will love and be loved. Then I think also maybe one of the re- reasons that we have a difficult time uh, doing this is we just assume that there is one sole expression of love. Consider this. If... You are to love your neighbor as yourself and hence your enemy as you would yourself. How would you treat yourself if you were the enemy acting that way? What expression of love would be most suitable for someone who's acting that way? There's sometimes when I see people behaving that way and if that was me, I'm like, you need to pull me aside. You need to tell me that there's consequences for my decisions. And if I keep it up, you need to cut me off. This is not necessarily talking about there is only one expression, which is forgiveness, reconciliation, and absolute permission for you to be you no matter how much harm or evil you are causing me or other people. That's not this carte blanche. That's that's so thin and devoid of any holy righteous standard that it would never hold up in God's presence. What it is saying is, how do you see another person, even an enemy, as a person who has a story and hurt and pain and is probably acting out of it? How do you, as the message says, the people that hate you, how do you let them bring the best out of you, not the worst? Second question, 
how do I start to practice enemy love? Hmm. That's a good thing. That's an incredibly validating and powerful thing that Jesus has given you in the face of enemies. Practice enemy love. Name it. That's an enemy. Great. Now, how do you practice appropriate enemy love? Well, two things that the text suggests, and I know these are going to be really radical and no one could ever do this, but I'm just going to let the text preach for itself, okay? Number one in verse 46 says, say hi. <laughs> say hi to your enemy. Greet them. That's a, another translation. You know, if you only greet those who greet you, what good of that is to you? Greet your enemies. If you're only kind to those who are kind to you, what good is that? You want a bonus for that? Be kind to your enemies. Be kind to those who hate you. Oh, okay, well, so practice that tomorrow. If a lot of you are saying hi to me in the halls, I'm probably gonna <laughs> eat a gallon of ice cream tonight. <laughs> Just kidding, it's way too cold for that. <laughs> Number two, pray for those who persecute you. I wonder if Jesus had the same response when he was teaching this stuff. What? I've had such a hard time with this that I've had to vicariously practice it with other people. So I've got a couple friends right now who they've clearly defined enemies in their life that are actively seeking them harm and are operating out of personal vindictiveness towards them. Now, normally my gift to you as a friend is I bow up and I get 10 times more angry at that person than you are. I, I was, that's not fair. I can't stand them. Oh my gosh, let me at them. I wouldn't do anything when I saw them, but you can imagine what it would be like if I actually knew how to inflict physical harm, okay? <laughs> I have an active prayer life and imagination. So my first step was this, I, I've been, both of those people I've talked to and I'm like, I don't know what to do with love your enemies. And I don't know what to pray to do with pray for those who persecute you, but I'm going to pray for your enemy. I'm going to practice that because they haven't personally done anything directly to me yet. So that's my baby step of obedience. So I first started praying for them people, man, I brought every like nasty Psalm down to rain on them. Lord, kick in the teeth of the unrighteous, catch them in the trap that I set for them. <laughs> Slay the evildoers. You know, I'm bringing out my King James version. Just I'm bringing some fire and wrath of God and trying to say I'm praying for those who persecute my friends. And then I just found a subtle shift in my spirit where I just said, Lord, into your hands I commit their spirit. Save them. Rescue them like you rescued me when I was your enemy. Bring them to repentance. Warm them with your love. Expose the pain that they're acting out of. And would you bring unity and peace and harmony, if at all possible? Pray for those who persecute you. Those are the two textual observations. Here's a third, just personal cultural observation. You don't even have to write this down. But how do you practice enemy love? Stop making so many enemies. Think it might be a little bit easier if you can narrow your list of enemies down? Here's my problem, not yours. 
I'm easily offended. You look at me the wrong way. You don't give me the right feedback. You say something that tweaks my issues. You don't respond to this right away or how you responded was not how I wanted you to respond. I didn't really know how I wanted you to respond until you responded that way and now I know it's the wrong way. <laughs> Enemy! Cut me off in traffic. Enemy! Give me bad customer service. Enemy! Right? What happened to us not being easily offended? Here's a couple scriptures that have been reading my mail. 1 Corinthians 13, 5. Love's not rude. It's not self-seeking. It's not provoked or overly sensitive or easily angered. That's actually a phrase from my personality profile, I believe. <laughs> Chris can be overly sensitive and easily angered. <laughs> Myers-Briggs, enemy! does not take into account wrong endured. James 1.19, know this, my beloved brothers and sisters, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. 2 Timothy 2.24, and the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, uh-oh, but kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring evil. I missed that seminary class. <laughs> Romans 14.1, as for the one who is weak in the faith, welcome him but do not quarrel over opinions. And lastly, how in the world are we gonna find the courage to practice enemy love? How, where is that kind of power, presence and patience gonna come from? I know my self-will does not possess it. I think the only answer is that we have to get it from God. Jesus, who is looking at religious and cultural enemies who were excluding him and crucifying him, said, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Well, Chris, that was Jesus. I'm not Jesus. I've had the same internal conversation. I'm just projecting it onto you, okay? The only thing is that I have access to Jesus's power and righteousness. And apparently Stephen did too. Because a short time after that, Stephen once again is being killed, stoned to death by religious exclusion. And some of his dying words are, Father, don't hold this sin against them. Romans 5.10, while we were enemies of God, Christ died for us to reconcile us to God. Love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. Amen. So who is it? I'm gonna take 120 seconds. And we're gonna pray, or you can spiritually hold your breath and pout. Is there a name 
of an enemy you want to attempt to try to pray for tonight? Is there a person in your life who you've made an enemy but you need to treat as a neighbor? Are there areas that you've just been too easily offended and provoked to anger? And tonight the Lord is calling to remind you that his peace, his power, and his love wants to flow in you and through you. Is there a group or people that you realize you've said things and assumed things that are full of bitterness and hatred and anger? And the Lord wants to bring you to a place of repentance for that tonight. Or is Jesus just asking you to deal with the enemy within? And you realize you're your own worst enemy. And the very last person on earth you would ever love is yourself. For any of those places and any of those people, let us ask that the love of Christ would compel us. It would push us forward in faith, hope, and love and pull us back from retribution, hatred, and violence. Let's listen together.